So something that I really struggle with is sharing my testimony because when God created me, he just created a very fragile crying gene. And when I talk about something that's really passionate to me or like like a kind of a, a splinter in my heart, I do feel the strong urge to cry. So I feel like recording my testimony would be way more beneficial because I think sometimes when people cry, it like the person receiving the information kind of shuts down and then nothing is heard because you're just focused on the fact that the other person is crying. And so I'm also really bad at chasing rabbits and it, this it may happen here too, but I feel like I can kind of stay a little bit more focused. So when I was really little, um, my parents divorced. I was four or five, so I don't remember much about it. I have very vague memories of my parents ever being together and they mostly consist of them bickering. And so, um, it's probably a good thing they're not together anymore. But, um, since then, uh, they were not each other's favorite person. And I did have to mediate for them a lot. And, um, I always felt like my houses were very split down the middle, like, um, kind of opposite ends of the spectrum of households. I grew up going to two churches at my mom's house, she always leaned more on the Baptist side of things. So we, um, for the majority of my adolescence, I was at a big, small town Baptist church, probably 3,000 members. So it was it was a fairly big church for the town. And then um, at my dad's house, I actually went with my grandmother and I call her Mimi. And she, um, she was more Church of Christ. So we went to kind of a community Christian church. So... Um, it, it, but it, it had very Church of Christ values, and um, so my, my religious representation when I was young was like super polar opposite. Like I said, I always felt like kind of like whiplash when I was going back and forth, and that caused this like somewhat unhealthy um, rift in my personality because I felt like every time I went to each house, I had to kind of mold to a different person to fit who my family wanted me to be because I'm a huge people pleaser. That's a toxic trait of mine is that I always go out on a limb for people and I don't do enough for myself. And that's where it started. It stemmed from there. And that really wasn't my family's fault. I guess I just felt so badly that I wanted their approval that I felt like I had to kind of fit their mold of what they wanted a kid to be. And so, um, you know, that, that kind of evoluted into something different when I was in high school. And, um, I have six siblings and, they're all my half siblings. So if you don't know what that means, it just means we have a same mom or dad, but not the same other spouse. And so, um, but I, I know all of them fairly well. And, um, we all kind of grew up together. Even the, the one that's older than the oldest one from me, who is 10 years apart is actually one of the ones I was closest to when we were growing up because he lived at home the longest because he had to use the garage for his welding business. Anyways, aside from the point, um, I am close to a lot of my siblings and, um, I don't consider them my half, I guess is why I'm saying that. And my, um, my life majorly in high school, um, consisted of a lot of sports. And when I look back on it now, I didn't really feel like I loved doing sports. I did my sports for my parents because they loved them. And so I kind of, I, and it doesn't mean that I regret doing them at all. I'm actually really thankful that my dad pushed me to be in sports because 
I feel like it molded who I was today. But when I look back on it, it's not this joyful time of my life. I, I, um, I just felt like coaches were really mean and they kind of crushed my spirit. And, um, (laughs) if you're a girl, you know how teenage girls can be. They're just, they're mean. And so being surrounded by that and having to work together as a team definitely molded who I am. It just, it, it humbled me and it made me feel, um, it also made me feel like I was part of something and that I have something to look back on, but I did really struggle in that time of life. Um, and so in high school, I, I didn't exactly have the easiest time. I was definitely, um, I was, I was a lot more peculiar than your average teenage girl. I definitely like, (laughs) I was a closet anime kid, and I didn't tell anybody because I just, like I said, I wanted to people please and I didn't want my family to know about it. And I played a lot of video games, which I didn't really hide. It's kind of hard to hide that, but, um, it wasn't like, I don't think it was their favorite. <laughs> I think because my, my older sisters were very like, um, girly girls and they loved to shop. And, um, I was like the girl that would spend all day outside and in the mud and, still wear like I still liked clothes and stuff but I was definitely like a lipstick tomboy I guess and I I loved to be inside I was like a huge introvert even though I I didn't know what an introvert meant back then but like when my siblings would like get home they like wanted to take me places and hang out with me and and go do things and I just wanted to be at home like I I was such a homebody I was such an introvert and they just like didn't know how to love an introvert like they wanted me to so badly be like them and which is totally fine. I think people know, don't know how to like, it's really hard to love people in their love language. I think I've learned that as an adult is that you don't really know how to love someone in the way that you don't love to be loved. And so I, but I learned that the hard way because I always felt like I was contingently loved. I look back on it now and I'm like, man, they just, they wanted to like, they wanted to love me so hard and they just didn't really know how. And so I don't harbor any resentment against that, but I did feel like I kind of had to be something that I wasn't when I was younger. And, and, um, I was a big introvert and that carried on into college. So, um, in college I didn't play sports anymore. I didn't, I had a couple of offers, but I didn't take them. I just kind of wanted to do my own thing. And that caused a weird rift between my family and me. And I was just kind of in that rebellious late teens, early twenties stage where I like, didn't want anything to do with my family. And I, I kind of left out something important. Um, when I was a teenager, I moved in a hundred percent with my dad. So like when I was younger, it was week on week off with my parents. Um, and then when I was like 13, I moved in just with my dad and I didn't live with my mom. We had a big falling out and we didn't really talk a lot in high school. Um, and that was like a big deal for us in our walk. And we are on great terms now. We're really good friends and we're happy and we've mended fences and we've, um, we've talked out all of our differences that we had and we have grown from them. And I think that's really cool of God's word of like good things coming out of bad things, because I don't think we would have been as close as we are today if we didn't go through what we went through when I was younger. So, um, yeah, I lived with my dad pretty much all through high school and some of middle school. And, um, he single-handedly raised actually all four of his kids his first marriage he had three kids my three older siblings and um I was the only oddball with the second marriage but he um yeah he's like super dad he he raised 
all four of us almost by himself and he did an amazing job he worked 60 hour weeks and still managed to wrangle four teenagers and it I don't know how he did it I really don't but um (laughs) yeah so he raised all four of us and um (laughs) so I I went to college and for some reason I just was so angry at angry at my family I guess like I said for feeling like I was always contingently loved when I didn't know why I felt that way and so I like harbored that and um it's about the time that my dad was starting a new relationship and I just didn't know about all that and I I I I just fell into a really sad depression and no one really questioned it I guess because they thought it like I said it was just like a teenage phase and so I felt kind of betrayed by them I knew they still loved me and I knew and I saw them on holidays and stuff but when I moved it was about three hours away and um you know I just I had a falling out with my family and and that's a huge part of my testimony because I've I've grown so much from it now like I've mended fences with all the people that I well most of them at least um struggled with and I I I really take pride in that because I think it's hard to humble down and admit that you were wrong and I think my family has forgiven me for that or at least I hope they have. If you're listening to this, I am sorry. I'm I'm sorry for not seeing that all y'all could do was love me for the way that you wanted to love me. And I wanted to be loved in my way. And that was selfish because I think it's compromise. I think, yeah, you should learn how to love people in their own love language. But you also have to meet them in the middle and realize that people are only human. And they don't mean to hurt you because of that. So... In college, I when I went through that rebellious phase, I I partied. I mean, everyone, of course, in college, parties a lot. Which I mean, I partied in high school too, but it was it was more like single handedly partying. And I mean that like I wasn't like blatantly just like hanging out with all these people and posting all these pictures. And like I was I was smoking weed and drinking, but like more with like single friends like just one friend in the car or like we'd go to a park and smoke weed it was so dumb when I think back on it now but college was like blatant like I was not caring what anyone thought and I was posting it all over social media with beer in my hand and and um I don't know about smoking weed on social media but I I was I was doing it and um (laughs) I was I was a huge attention seeker in high school and college I I I loved when guys gave me attention and I went on a lot of dates and I dated a lot of people and I made a lot of stupid mistakes. Um, and that was probably my biggest addiction is just like attention. Like I just wanted attention all the time. And I, I lost a lot of friends because of it. I made a lot of enemies because of it. And I really struggled to make like solid relationships, I guess. Um, I've always had a hard time. Like I don't have like this effortless, relationship making skill because of my introvertedness so um I've always struggled to I guess like make genuine friendships and I've had one friend from when I was little and that's the only one I've maintained and otherwise all the rest have kind of been like drifty friends like you know you have them for like one year or two years and you kind of move on with life or you grow out of them and I think that's healthy because healthy in a way it's like I I wish that I could maintain those friendships but I grow out of people it's like if I don't feel like I'm on the same level as them anymore they don't bring me up and I don't know if that's right or not but I do still struggle with that to this day it's like I 
I, I want to make these friends, but then I feel like we're on different pages of life. So I don't have like this, this huge group of friends at any time, any given time. I actually, so in college, after my party phase, um, I met someone when I first moved there and I dated him pretty much the whole time I lived there, which is about three years. And, um, we never lived together there. Honestly, um, I still claimed to be a Christian then, even though I was very lukewarm, like I still claimed having a relationship with God. I like worked at churches and justified that as like being good enough because I was there, but I was getting paid to be there. So it was kind of, it was different. But um, anyways, so I was dating this guy and he claimed Christianity, but we never like tried to be better every day at all. It was like very lukewarm lifestyle. And I always wanted him to lead the relationship and lead us to God but I never knew how to talk about that because like I said I just I'm still bad at those relationships and I I um we were kind of like on rocks on and off again and um when he graduated that's kind of what was holding me there is like waiting for him to graduate we were trying to figure out where we wanted to go next because he didn't want to move back to his hometown in South Texas so um we moved to my hometown, which is, um, Fort Worth area. And, um, we actually ended up moving to Fort Worth for a year and living in an apartment together. And so like, when I think back on that relationship, because it was four years long, it feels like, like a marriage to me because we, like I said, we lived together and we, you know, cooked dinner together and, and all that stuff. And, um, it, it's not like my proudest moment of life because I always told myself when I was little, I wouldn't live with someone until I was married to them. But when life comes and and expenses are there and we just made a lot of stupid mistakes. And so when we broke up, I felt like this huge, I guess, pre-life crisis because I was only 24 when we broke up. Um, But I just felt like I had wasted, you know, you're halfway through your 20s. Like most people are like married with kids and or at least trying to get pregnant and stuff. And I was just starting from square one. And I felt like this huge crisis of like, what am I doing with my life? And, and why am I being put through this? And, you know, I felt like angry, slightly angry at God for like, not, I guess, blessing my life, even though I wouldn't even give him the time of day. Like I, I still like sinned at every chance I got and I was still drinking and having premarital sex. And I was, you know, doing all these things, but I still wanted God to do something for me, which is so selfish when I think back on it, because it's like, my life is so different now that I realize like, if I can't sit down and give God 10 minutes a day in my Bible, why would he, why would he do everything he could to bless my life? And he's still going to give you those blessings, even though you make those stupid mistakes. But like, it was crazy of my mindset back then versus now. And I just, I, I, I think about that a lot. So when I was in that crisis, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where to move. I didn't really want to live in city anymore because I grew up kind of in more of a rural area and I was craving that again. Um, when you live in the city and you're not from the city, it just kind of, maybe it's good for some people, but it threw me for a loop. So I moved to my mom's hometown, which is not the town I grew up in, but my whole family is from there. So I grew up, you know, going there to my family's houses and Um, I was familiar with it. And so when I looked for an apartment there, I found this like little garage studio apartment um, that was being rented out in like this little dinky on this dinky property with like storage units and stuff. It was it's so sketchy now that I think back on it, but it turned out really great because it was like very inexpensive and I was living by myself with my dogs and I was very happy there. 
coming from what I came from. And I, I lived really close to my mom and my two little brothers who I always wanted to be a huge part of their lives and I never really could because I lived far away or I was like in high school and like I said we didn't I didn't live with my mom back then so um I hadn't been a huge part of their lives for a long time so I really wanted to mend fences with my mom and and be a big part of my two little brothers life and so I moved to Azel and I lived in that apartment and I started going to her church which in that time I wanted to like reinvent myself you know how when you get out of this big breakup or like you know you you have that whole like new year new me feeling where it's like you dye your hair you cut your bangs well I didn't want any part of that so instead of reinventing my look I reinvented my personality so I started going to church and I went to this bible study which hadn't been a thing since like youth group in high school I I never had really gone to a bible study Um, it was a young adults bible study like I said I was 24 and I met my now husband in that class, um, though at the time I was fighting it a lot because I just got out of that relationship with my ex and it had only been like at that time like three or four months when I met um, Garrett. And so I, (laughs) I totally fought it and I met some really awesome friends and I felt new. Like I felt like I reinvented myself. I was trying to be an extrovert. Like, like I said, I'm a huge introvert. I don't like big groups of people um but I was really trying hard to be that I was trying to be an extrovert and I burnt myself out like I was burning myself out day to day and I just felt like I was always busy and I never had any downtime which is very crucial to my sanity like I need recharge time when I'm around big groups of people and I wasn't getting that and so um and then right shortly after that shortly after I met Garrett we started dating probably three months after friendship so it would have been about six months since my my big breakup. And um, so, I mean, I, I took some time to heal from myself. And I I feel like I, in in hindsight, maybe didn't take enough time. But that's okay because I it all turned out all right. Um, but I definitely, in that time, um, was kind of going through a slight depression just from, like I said, that like pre-life crisis, I was starting from square one again. And then COVID happened. (laughs) So COVID came on, we were about like three months into our relationship. And um, so we never really had like a normalcy. And, And Garrett unfortunately saw me go through, once again, another depression, because I was just trying to figure out what the new normal was. And I was like, I was totally turning my life around I was I gave up alcohol at that point I had given up premarital sex I had given up um even though you know I don't think anyone's perfect but I really did try to eradicate that kind of thing from my life and so like everything was turned around so I was facing all these new emotions and new feelings that I didn't know how to manage yet because I was always used to managing it with alcohol or attention or you know fill in the blank so that was all new And, um, going through what I went through and then starting a new relationship and COVID, it was just a lot. So once again, um, I was, I was feeling like I was feeling, but I, I felt stable. Like I felt good. I felt like I had mended a lot of relationships with my family. I had a new relationship that was really healthy. That was a man that was bringing me to God day to day. And, um, we ended up getting engaged about 10 months into the relationship um, just because 
we felt like we were the one for each other and we didn't want to waste any time. And with COVID and everything happening, I think we both felt like, you know, everything was, was kind of falling into place. And we both felt, cause he's two years older than me. So we definitely were excited to be together. And, and I, I'm really glad that we got engaged quickly, but in hindsight, I <laughs> getting engaged during COVID was really difficult. Planning a wedding during COVID was really difficult And I wish I would have done something smaller because we, like I said, met at the church. So a lot of our congregation came and we just had a lot of people. And I felt like once again, I was people pleasing. Like I was, I was doing everything for everyone else. And I wasn't like doing my wedding for me. I was doing my wedding for everyone else. And I, and to this day, I still believe that. And even though it was an amazing wedding and I married the man of my dreams, I, I still feel like I should have done something that I wanted to do. I actually really admire my sister on my mom's side. She had her wedding in Seattle and it was like probably 30 of her closest friends and like immediate family. Like she didn't invite aunts, uncles, cousins, which I I'm, I would have been sad if they weren't there. But like I really admire her for like taking that leap of faith and like doing things for herself and not caring what people thought because she got a lot of backlash for it. So, you know, I, I do wish that I did something like that, but it all was amazing. We ended up buying a house. It was actually my great grandmother's house and like everything just kind of fell into place where it needed to fall into place. And with, with struggles, you know, it still came with its own trials and we're still going through trying to, as two grown adults who like move, we didn't live together before marriage. And then we're like living together. It, it definitely took like some getting used to. And we, we had to like pray a lot and, and come to God and, and realize that we're not perfect. And he really is amazing. He does everything that a, a man of God is supposed to be doing. And we still go through trials. I mean, we still have to figure out how to coexist and, and, and mesh our lives together. And everything is amazing. But it still comes with trials. And I think that's what people don't understand is like when I wasn't in this point of life, when I was like still trying to figure out where I wanted to be or how to be. I didn't come from this marriage, like this healthy marriage where I knew or like seeing healthy marriages where I knew like what to expect. Um, And I think that everyone thinks that like marriage is effortless and and life is effortless when you give up your life to God. And I think the moral of the story is that if anyone can give up their life to God, if I did it, you can do it. And and that expecting an effortless walk when you give up your life to God and you do marriage the right way, you wait to have sex before marriage and you and you are trying to be better every single day it doesn't come with like this effortless lifestyle like there's still trials if anything giving up your life to God comes with more trials because it comes with persecution by your friends and family it comes by um trying to navigate a new world where you can't manage things by doing the easy way which is like going to get drunk or or just letting it all go and being like screw it I'm not going to pay my utility bills this month I'm going to go buy a you know what I mean like that making hard decisions isn't easy it's not like you you just get all these amazing blessings out of life because you've made the right decisions it still comes with trials and I think that's what what we need to understand as a church family is that we 
we are only a fraction of how the world works. Like a small, tiny percentage of what's going on in the world and how God is working. And he's going to send us blessings no matter what because that's how good he is. But trials are going to come no matter what. So doing the right thing doesn't mean no trials. But I'm so incredibly blessed and so thankful for all that I've been through. And thankful for the people who have supported me and the amazing husband that God has given me and the friends that have stuck with me through the end. And and he's going to continue to work in my life. And if he can do it in mine, he can do it in yours if you'll let him. That was hard. <laughs> that was hard to that was hard to spit out. I know it was a lot, but my life is isn't like one of those testimonies that there's like these big ticket items that it's just like oh my gosh my life turned around in a day and and I gave up alcohol and and I was a drug addict and I turned around like that really I wasn't an addict for anything I I was just a leisure drinker I drank I smoked weed with my friends when they wanted to and I I slept with random guys in college and I, I did really stupid things and I had to give all that up gradually like it didn't happen overnight and that's okay like everything that that God puts you through is for a reason and I think that the moral of my story is that it's not always it's not always these this like big strong testimony that can like turn people in a day and but I can help people with testimonies that aren't strong and it's okay to still feel like your testimony isn't as good as other people's you can still help people you can still show them God's love and I'm very blessed. I'm very thankful for all that I have. I had an amazing supportive family who loved me as much as they could. And I have friends that will stick with me through the end, to the very end. Like, I guess there isn't one because they'll be in heaven with me. I hope that I was able to show you something today or you learned something from my testimony and I appreciate you listening if you've made it this far. (laughs) I hope you all have a great day.